of the Shot Show. We come to you live on Friday afternoon following Coastal Carolina's victory over the Troy Trojans, 35-28. to I'm your host, Curtis, joined by... Josh and Mario. So, let's get into this, guys. Downpour last night. It was a m- awful conditions to play in. We still came out and won. We looked a little bit slow coming out the gates, but... What are your initial takeaways from the game? Well, really, it was just a, it was a football game, and we haven't actually seen a lot of that this year. Even that App State game was a little slow. It kind of dragged along. You just kind of felt like it was destined to end for App State like it did. But this was actually a good fight, a good physical football game, and it was fun to watch for everybody. So, And we came out with a win, so that was fantastic. Yeah, this looked like an absolute old-school football game, like back in the day when they would play in these very, very harsh weathers, and we were in them, and we could tell you that it was terrible. I could only imagine what the players are feeling. But overall, this was a dogfight. It was a very, very old-school football game, very tough and gritty. And Coastal came out on top in a very close game. Yeah, which is important, right? We talked a lot in both our App State postgame and our Troy pregame podcast about how we can't let App State beat us again. I was real nervous in that first quarter that App State was going to beat us again. We looked slow and sluggish. It's the first time all season that we haven't scored on our opening drive. In fact, we didn't get our first first down until our third possession on offense. So we really didn't control the game in the way that we're used to Coastal coming out putting the foot on the gas. Even against App State, they were up 14 to yeah. nothing before a couple of gaffes, you know, the onside kick, right? This was a game where Coastal looked like they were going to be in a dogfight from the start of the game. Yeah, and this is a game last year where it's both the same teams pretty much for both sides. Everybody came back for the most part. We barely beat Troy last year. We beat him by four, and this year we beat him by seven, so that's an improvement. But Troy came out and hit us in the mouth early, and we were talking earlier about those guys have to make a choice on whether or not they're going to show up and what they're going to do. And they're down 7 nothing. Troy even had the ball. They made the choice to fight, and they knew it was going to be a long game and it was going to be a dogfight, but they committed to it, and they came out on top. So that was really actually good to see. Right, and if you listen to our last show, um, our predictions, they weren't even close to what the actual game was. And I knew that Troy was going to bounce back. We knew, I mean, excuse me, Coastal was going to bounce back. We knew that, but... We just thought it was going to be a lot more dominant than what it was. So after looking at this game, I think it's going to take Coastal maybe a week or two to get back to that dominant Coastal team that they've been. But again, a win is a win. You know, they they came, they ended up winning a very, very close game. And now it's on to the next against Georgia Southern. Yeah, and Troy is a team I want to mention again that obviously has our number. They've got our playbook pulled up somewhere or something because we always seem to have trouble with them no matter what they did before that, no matter what we did. But in a game where it was obviously, and it was very physical, very chippy the entire game. It was just a very competitive football game. But like you said, we're not dominant. We weren't dominant yesterday. But again, it was Troy has our number. And we came out in the win column, which was good because coming off a loss, we don't have much experience with that. So that was good to see. Yeah, right. And 7-1 and one is not a bad thing. No. Again, we expected Coastal to run the table, mainly because of our fandom, rather than, you know, actually looking at the team. But... Seven and one's a great place to be. You are just behind your nipping at the heels of App State. Again, App State, one slip up, Coastal's in, right? They already have one Sunbelt loss. They get another one, Coastal's in the championship game. So you've got to keep winning these games. You've got to keep moving forward, and they did that tonight. Again, they didn't look like themselves. They didn't look like the team that we saw throw up, you know, 50 points in, you know, essentially three out of their first four games. We didn't see the team that we expected to come out. 
but the team that did come out fought hard, played hard, and won. And a lot of that, I'm going to give credit to Grayson McCall. Now, his statistical line isn't a Grayson McCall stat line. We're used to like 90-something percent completion percentage, no interceptions, that sort of thing. Grayson had, you know, he had 294 yards. Awesome. 14 to 16 completions. Eh, eh, okay, fine. Right? Two touchdowns and one on the ground, too. For me, he's the player of the game. He kept this team in it, kept them moving forward when they easily could have rolled over after Troy took an early lead, kept pushing us forward, and eventually got us a win. Yeah, and I want to correct some real quick. You said 14 to 16. It was 14 of 26. We're not out here complaining about 94% completion yeah, percentage. Right. But, yeah, he was really a dog in that game. And you look at the stats, and it doesn't really pop off to you with his efficiency like it's been all season. But I was watching. I was on the field last night. I had a great angle on it. He was getting hit all the time. He ran the ball 13 times. He looked like like he did last year a little bit earlier in the season where he was actually running when he didn't see anything, run, pick up the first down. Wasn't sliding. I don't think he slid once yesterday. But he really committed to that game. He was willing to sacrifice his body for the team and, more importantly, the win. But, yeah, he really managed that game. He came out for a little bit and came right back in, wasn't going to let anything affect him or keep him off the field. But, yeah, he played a phenomenal game start to finish. Second quarter was awesome, and – we came out and got the win, and that's great credit to Grayson McCall. Right, and as Coastal students and especially Coastal Carolina football fans, we know how tough Grayson is. But I think that game being on ESPN and watching the hits that he took, there was one where he was where it looked pretty bad, but he ended up coming back onto the field. He started limp. He was like, there was one where he started limping a little bit. He literally showed nationally how tough this guy is, and I think that is definitely a takeaway for Grayson McCall's game. Yeah, and something that I wanted to point out as well is that Arkansas State game, he hurt his shoulder in that game. He had to come out, and he hurt that same shoulder last year and was dealing with it all year. So, And he hasn't really looked right physically the last couple games, and I'm wondering if he's still dealing with that, and he had a boot on his foot. This man has been banged up this entire season, but he's never missed more than a drive or two. Yeah, and to go from positive to slightly negative, he's taken that beating because of poor offensive line right. play. And again tonight, they weren't great. Still got out of there with a win, still put up 35 points, yada, 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 whatever. But we put up those 35 points in spite of our offensive line, not because of our offensive line. Grayson was under pressure almost immediately every time he dropped back. You watch the highlight packs that ESPN put out. You watch YouTube, whatever, highlights, edits, Grayson immediately as soon as the ball is snapped has to roll out to one side or the other he's directing traffic because he has to he's under so much pressure it's it's non-sustainable as a team to have your quarterback take that beating Grayson's tough Grayson came back from it Grayson did well here however you can't continue to expose him to this you've got to get better offensive line play we've got to get the run game going Shamari Jones had 95 yards rushing but most of those yards came on one play. He had a 55-yard touchdown. That's not going to cut it against the better teams in the Sun Belt. And I think Troy is, is a good team. But I think especially looking ahead to bowl season, if we come up against, you know, we talked to last week about LSU and the Gasparilla Bowl, that's a team that will absolutely destroy us right. with our offensive line playing this way. Yeah, and 
credit to Jamie Chadwell, actually. The past couple weeks with when we've had a struggling offensive line, he's done, when it's strictly passing plays, he's done a lot more in-pocket, drop-back, traditional passing plays and or even read option and stay in the pocket. But it looked like yesterday, at least, that there were a lot of designed rollouts, immediately designed rollout, pull guards, because of that offensive line not playing well. So he gave Grayson a little more time, and that was something I was really looking to for him to adjust. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about it, too, last podcast. Troy has a very good defensive line. They had two guys who were coming in with seven and a half sacks. One of those guys was K.J. Robertson. He ended up getting half a sack. Overall, if you want to combine it, Javon Solomon, he had a half a sack too. Really, there was only one sack that whole entire game, but there was a lot of pressure coming at Grayson McCall, which I expected because Troy's defense, they are a very, very physical defense. So I expected him to be pressured a lot, but he handled it very, very well, including the running game. Got to give those guys a lot of credit. They did an amazing job. Yeah, and we were talking about this earlier. We didn't know how we were going to look with another physical line that we had to play. And we were assuming it would look something like the Buffalo game and the App State game. And you look at that, all those games were one-score games. Basically, if you have a physical defensive line, you're going to be able to play with us. And that's exactly what happened last night. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a big negating factor in our offense, is if your defensive line is big and physical and strong and can occupy our offensive line, because our offensive line struggles to get to the second level. We saw it last week. Our offensive line couldn't get to the second level. They couldn't block DeMarco Jackson to save their life. It showed up again this week. Our offensive line couldn't contain the defensive line of Troy, and it allowed their linebackers to run free and make a lot of plays. Now, they only had one total sack, like uh, Mario brought up earlier, but Grayson was under pressure every single play. And a lot of those probably could have been credited as sacks, but Grayson would run towards the offensive line and gain like a yard or two. And so then you don't get credit for a sack, but in all reality, it was a pass play intended to go downfield, and you got two yards out of it, right? It's disappointing to have that happen, and so the offensive line has got to step up. Moving to the other side of the ball, one of the standout groups, and surprisingly so, in my opinion, was the defensive line. They dominated Troy this game. Now, Troy had a, had a really good run game. A lot of that, I think, came from scheme. Um, we were blitzing a lot in this game. We were filling gaps before we knew what play was happening. And then he would make a really good cutback, break one or two tackles out of our secondary players and get decent yardage. But we were getting pressure to the quarterback. They were making plays. The end of the game, with 25 seconds left, Troy's got the ball. Stewart comes off the edge, gets a strip sack. Gunter with the recovery. You seal the win. They're like, that's that's exactly what you want, and that's what we expected from this defensive line coming into this season. Yeah, and it was really refreshing and energizing as a fan to see that because we've been looking for this defensive line to step up and even get an inkling of pressure on these quarterbacks all season, and they had seven quarterback hurries as a unit, three sacks, a couple forced fumbles. They were really great, and we actually brought pressure this game, which and everyone really stepped up and we're going to crash the gaps and it was really an energizing performance overall and hopefully that boosted their confidence and they can carry that out the rest of the season because we're going to need it. Right, absolutely. And again, this is something that we kind of been talking about how the past couple games Coastal's especially like the defensive line they haven't looked as physical. Jeffrey Gunter and Josiah Stewart, especially that last play, but even the whole game in general, they were they were showing a lot of pressure against that quarterback. And 
overall, that defense itself, they're doing a great job. Now, one thing that I feel like we still need to improve on is, again, the takeaway is, again, like the interceptions and everything like that. We had one, but then I ended up getting called back because of a penalty, which was a little bit frustrating. But that's something right there that we need to work on. But other than that, physically, we are doing an amazing job defensively. Yeah, and for the defense to, at the end of that game, we have to punt it back to Troy. And Troy is down by one possession. Here you are again in the late game, and the defense was there. They'd been on the field all game, it felt like, and they stepped up and they met the challenge, and they took care of business regardless of if it wasn't as big of a blowout as we wanted. They met that challenge, and I really think that type of experience is going to be good for them because that's something we really haven't had to do this year is seal a game with a stop, and for our defense to get it, I think that's a big confidence booster. We talked about it a week ago that we'd rather be down by a like less than a score and have to score a touchdown, then our defense have to step up and make a stop. And they did that this game, and that was really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one area of improvement, and it's an area that's needed improvement all season, is the tackling in the secondary. It, again, they got abused again this game. Minor complaint, right? You can fix that. You start gang tackling rather than leaving it to individuals. You know, you start rather than just diving at knees, you start actually trying to wrap up and make physical tackles. I know that's now the new norm for secondary and you know even at the professional level is is to just dive at ankles right it's why the hurdle has become such a potent move now to see Saquon Barkley or you know Kyle Pitts or somebody going up and over a defender it creates a highlight play but it creates a highlight play because of a poor effort from a secondary player and I feel like our secondary has fallen into that trap pretty hard of just like diving at people and, and whiffing especially um Troy's running back was big. He was a big bowling ball style running back. And he punished our secondary, and he punished our linebackers too to a certain extent. And I think that's one area of improvement you can look forward to throughout the course of the rest of the season. Yeah, and what we were talking about earlier this week, I called some players out on it after this App State game was tackling. And I specifically said our tackling as solo tacklers wasn't any better this week than it was against App State. But I did call out the gang tackling and the Black Swarm. And if you have 10 players doing 10% of a tackle, that counts as a tackle whether App State, five players were just chilling on the other side of the field. And this week we actually had 11 hats to the ball. And although the running back got a lot more broken tackles because we somehow can't tackle, we eventually brought him down because all 11 hats were on the ball. And our gang tackling really took a step up this week, even though our solo tackling wasn't that great. But again, Troy's running back, Kamani Vidal, he had himself a great game. This man was averaging six and a half yards per carry on us. He had 142 yards on 22 rushes. He had himself a great game. And again, earlier in the season when we were dominating teams, that was still something we were talking about. We were talking about how if there was a weakness in this coastal defense at the time, we were talking about how it was the rushing defense, how teams were rushing a little bit more than what we wanted them to rush on us. And it showed here. But Kamani Vidal, he had himself a great game, so shout out to him. Yeah, absolutely. And and you said it there, right? We've always known the Coastal's run defense is a little bit shaky. The pass defense is, is pretty good. In coverage, our secondary is fantastic. Boykin locks down his man to Jordan Strong, locks down his man. You've got Spillum and Watts over the top. They look great, right? Or Mats, excuse me, not Watts, um, over the top. But you've got a really soft core for stopping the run game. And that's not something we expected. It's not something we had last year with literally the same defense minus Teron Jackson now. 
it's been a problem, and I'm worried that it's going to continue to be a problem, especially next week. Georgia Southern runs a triple option. They run, they pound the ball. They're going to run. And even, you know, you look back at our first game of the season with Citadel. We blew Citadel out of the water, but the triple option gave us headaches that day. And I think if Citadel had been even a, a mid-level group of five team, I think that game is way closer. It's way more competitive. And I think there's potential for a loss to Citadel in the first game of the season because we can't stop the run. Now, the defensive line had a great game this game. I expect them to continue to improve moving forward, but it's something you've got to fix at some point. Is, is You've got to fix your ability to stop the run. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about this more in our pregame episode, but we're just lucky that Shy Wirtz still isn't the quarterback at Georgia Southern. He's moved on to Louisville. But, yeah, we're really going to have to step it up next week against that triple option. Citadel ran all over us to an extent. We finally shut it down because there was only so many plays they could run with their personnel. But like you said, if that was any other higher-level team, we're in trouble there, and that's something we really got to work on next week. And we're going to have a lot of practice on it next week because – they're going to run the ball 50, 60 times a game, and our run defense is not even a shell of what it was last year, and I think that shows how much we're missing Teron Jackson. He had a bigger impact than I think any of us really thought would materialize this season. Right, and what I find so very interesting is throughout like the first six games of the season, we would talk about how it's coastal and we're basically blowing people out and how it's not even a contest now. Ever since that App State game, it seems like every other game, it's a test now. Because now every single game, now against Georgia Southern, we're testing how they do against that triple option. We go to this week against Troy, how do we do against a dominant defensive line? Go back to App State, how do we do against a decently well-rounded team? So it seems like ever since week uh, the sixth game of the season, it seems like Coastal is now finally being tested. Yeah, I mean, you really brought a point that I hadn't even thought of up there, Mario, is going into this season and going into, we said it in the App State pregame, we've never been tested, right? Now we have been, and every game we're looking at like, hey, this is a matchup problem for Coastal. This is something Coastal hasn't done well all season. This is something Coastal has to overcome. Coming into this season and through most of the first part of this season, we didn't have that. We weren't even close to that. We expected Coastal to come in and roll and dominate these teams, and they did for the most part. But now you've got a test every week. Mario said it there. Triple option next week. This week, dominant defensive line. App State, a physical, dominating team that, as you said, is well-rounded in all areas. Right? It's a test of Coastal's weaknesses every single week, mainly because there are weaknesses now. We didn't expect there to be weaknesses, especially when you're returning 20 out of 22 starters. We didn't expect there to be a lot of weaknesses with this team, but they're showing their ugly heads. Yeah, Mario, that was an absolutely great point. And really our mindset, like you mentioned, Curtis, as a fan base has changed over the course of this season from we're going to blow everybody out, shots by 90, doesn't even matter what they do. So now we're looking, we have weaknesses that we didn't anticipate we would have, but they're very clear weaknesses, and we've looked and shifted more at what is this team going to test, what do we need to look for to get better at this issue, and that's not necessarily a bad mindset to have, but really our mentality, and you can even see it over the past times we've been recording podcasts, you should have heard us before the Buffalo game, because we started to learn about the weaknesses there. But yeah, that was a good point. Every game from here on out, 
contest something and this coming weekend it's Georgia Southern with that triple option so we'll be looking for that yeah absolutely but I think with that we move to something a little bit different again Sean's win so there's not a whole lot of like storylines to pick out they played well enough to win the downpour didn't stop them so that's good things but I really want to talk about ESPN and the Sunbelt Conference and how they have royally screwed with Coastal this year Coastal has played more games on non-Saturdays than on Saturdays. And they'll finish the season with more games on non-Saturdays than Saturdays. They played on Wednesday. They've played on a Thursday. They played on Friday multiple times. Right. Like, it's garbage. It's gar- We're trying to build a fan base here. Our last season, we finished undefeated. It brought a lot of people that didn't know about Coastal into the Coastal fold now they don't even know when the damn game is on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to mention is, like you said, with the fan base not even knowing what game it is, my girlfriend a couple weeks ago asked, she was like, why are we watching college football on a Saturday? Isn't college football on Fridays? Because Coastal had played so many football games on a Friday. People who aren't as tuned into college football that you still need to be coming out to these games, they don't even know when the game is, and... If you can't assume it's a Saturday, that's actually going to hurt your attendance way more than you think it would. See, like, I'm a little mixed on it, and I'll, I'll go to this reason in specific. Fridays is not as bad, but when mm-hmm. you're doing this stuff on, like, a Wednesday or a Thursday, okay, it's kind of hard to attend a Coastal Carolina football game when a student is thinking, hey, look, I got this math homework due that's on a due tomorrow. How do you expect them to go and enjoy the game now? The reason why I really don't, the, the other reason why I don't have a problem with it is because Wednesdays, Thursdays, we are on actual ESPN. Right. So television-wise, it gives us a lot of, it gives us a lot of notoriety, it gives us a lot of attention. But as for the coastal students, yeah, it hurts us because again, we got to worry about doing our math homework at 10 30, 11 30 p.m. Yeah, and right now, this game yesterday, I know, I don't know about you guys, but. Me, people I know, everybody's having a ton of exams right now on campus. People right. have to study for hours. You don't have time. Classes end. You maybe get out 3, 4 on a Thursday. The game's at 7.30. You don't even have time to do anything. And the lack of consistency is kind of frustrating. Granted, like you said, we get to be on national television, which obviously the big thing about that is it brings money to us so we can do other things. But the lack of consistency is very frustrating. It's turning into, like, the Mac yeah, it really is. Like, it's it's insane, right? Like, shout out to the students that showed up last night. Right. That was impressive to sit through a monsoon. And they stayed for a while. The, the people that were there yep. stayed, which has always been one of our big things, is if you're going to come to the game, stay. And they did. There wasn't a lot of them, which I understand. It's a Thursday night. Again, like Josh said, I, I guess all of our professors got together and said this is exam week. Yeah. It's crazy. So I don't expect there to be a packed a student section when it's a monsoon and there's a lot of stuff going on but i know we're in media and so we have different responsibilities than the average student i didn't leave the stadium until 11 30 last night Same. yeah like i didn't have time to go home and study i didn't have time to go home and work on my assignments i had time enough to go home catch a couple you know seconds of sleep and then be back on campus the next morning most students didn't do that. Walking around campus today, I didn't have a problem finding parking this morning. <laughs> like, campus is darn near empty. It's bad for the university academically. You said about the budget. 
it's good to bring in that money. It's good to do those things, but it's not good for the university academically because none of us are here. None of us have the time or the effort to put into going to a football game on a Wednesday night, on a Tuesday night, on a Thursday night, on a Friday night, and then turn around. Well, Friday's a little bit different, but turn around the next day and go to class. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work. And it's really starting to make me mad. Now, next week, we're going to have a special episode on conference realignment. We're waiting on a couple of details to finalize in the Sun Belt with Marshall and uh, James Madison to see whether they're coming or not. I'm going to speak very, very highly of the Sun Belt in that podcast because I think what they're doing is phenomenal in terms of conference realignment. However, with this, with the ESPN contract, with you know these planning of these games, it's bad. It sucks. I hate it. It's really, really... Like, let us play it on Saturday, please. Now, the next two games are on Saturday, and we finish the game on a Friday. Or we finish the season on a Friday, excuse me. Like, get consistent with it, please. At the very least, just get consistent. Yeah, that's really something that... And it's not just like, oh, if we don't play on Saturday, we play on Friday. No, we've played on pretty much every day of the week except Sunday or Monday this week. And even App State and Louisiana played on a Tuesday. Other Sunbelt games are being played on Tuesday. I'm not even sure the MAC plays during the weekend. I I think it's midweek Sunbelt action. I think that's what it's become. And with this conference realignment, I'm pretty sure that's only going to further that with James Madison Marshall. But... It would be nice to at least be consistent. If we're going to play on a Friday, it, fine, but make every game a Friday so that the media, we have to deal with it. We want to get interviews in. We have to deal with the short week. The short week messes with everything. And when you can't get a schedule, we played a lot of games on Saturday last year. That might be some of the reason we're not as dominant this year. It's just been you never know what's going on. These games can get moved, and it's kind of frustrating, like you said. I'll put it in, into a personal anecdote, right? When I played football in high school, there was one team in our conference that literally didn't put lights on their field. They, they, they just didn't have lights on their field, so you had to play them on Saturday afternoon at, like, noon. And it threw off your schedule so much. To go up, and, and the name of the team is Westmont. They're in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. To go up the hill to Johnstown and play Westmont on a Saturday afternoon was an awful experience. It changed your whole week. You're used to Monday we're going to go hard, Tuesday we're going to go hard, Wednesday we're going to lighten it up a little bit, Thursday is going to be mostly a walkthrough type practice, Friday before the game we're going to get together you know, in t-shirts and shorts, go over a couple little things, finalize the game plan, and then you play Friday night. With a Saturday, it throws that whole schedule into whack. It, it changes how you approach a game. And I can't imagine that's easy for Coastal to play on a Tuesday and then play on a Wednesday and then play on a Friday and play on a Thursday and, go, and keep bouncing around. You can't find consistency that way. And I'm sure it's causing some of these problems. Yeah, none of our games have been like seven days apart. You either play five days apart and then injuries can be a problem, or you play 10, 12 days apart and right. it's absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah. Consistency is literally not there this season. Unfortunately for Coastal, you know they have a little bit of time until the next game. Like you said, it's on Saturday, so they have a so they have a little bit more than seven days to prepare for this next game. Which I hope those seven day I hope those more than seven days ca- uh, help in Coastal's favor and to get them back to that dominant Coastal team. But yeah, like you, I'm going to go back to what you said about waiting on James Madison and waiting on the other teams to join. If that is the case, you guys better get used to playing on a week on a weekday because that's basically what's going to be the norm at Coastal Carolina University if these teams continue to join. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right there. I think as the conference expands, as we add more teams, you're going to have to, right? You're just going to have to put a couple games on the weekdays. That way you don't have seven or eight conference games happening all on one day on a Saturday. Unfortunately, that's going to be the case. I hope in my heart of hearts that Coastal gets a little bit better next year, right? They're have at least some games on Saturday. It doesn't feel like we played on Saturday this entire season. So, you know, that's that's kind of the point I wanted to make there was the Coastal's doing good things, but this ESPN contract and forcing us to play on weekend or weekdays rather than weekends is not good. But right, and it's great that ESPN wants to get these coverage out. They're like, we will send our team to do more games in a week, and then everybody gets exposure, which is great, especially – as we go, and I think it's only going to get worse as they expand the playoff. You're looking at more teams. But, yeah, that's going to be definitely annoying, And but I think it is going to be the new norm. Right, and hopefully, you know, when this turns into a new norm, hopefully all of us end up getting adjusted to this, you know. And maybe that is something that might turn into a coastal strength, the fact that they can play on weekdays maybe, and then they have to go and play some teams that aren't used to playing on weekdays like us. Maybe that will turn into a strength for coastal. But... It does look like that will end up turning into a norm, and I expect it to kind of affect Coastal a little bit. But, again, just like how Coastal has adjusted as a football team throughout the years, I think they'll adjust pretty well to this. Yeah, I think so too. But with that, I think i go ahead and sign us off. Just as a heads-up to everybody, next week is going to be a busy week. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following us on socials, at Shant Show on Instagram, at The Shant Show on Twitter. We've got that... Uh, conference realignment special coming up. We've got your typical pregame and postgame episodes of the podcast. We're also hoping to get a guest on. Uh, Going to keep that under wraps for now, but look forward to something really interesting coming there. And then we've teased it for a while. Um, we're getting closer and closer to starting our athlete interview series. Um, so hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Who do you want to hear from? What athletes at Coastal do you want to know more about? And we'll try and squeeze them in. Um, if you want to hear, you know, I know most of those suggestions are going to be Grayson McCall and CJ Brewer and Gunter and that sort of thing. Um, but hit us up with other players. Hit us up with other teams that you want to hear from. We've also got our basketball pregame show coming up. It should be next week. Um, trying to get that in, trying to get our season preview set up before that season starts because – Jesus, that's right around the corner. I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> basketball's right there. But, yeah, we're, we're going to keep rolling, but make sure you're following us on social so you're up to date. With that, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. For Josh and Mario, I'm Curtis. Enjoy the rest of your day. What's up? Bye.